0: This is Ozarks at Large. Yesterday was the first day of classes for the spring semester at the University of Arkansas. No first day of classes is exactly like any other, but there are similarities, right? In fact, Charlie Allison, the executive editor for university relations at the U of A, discovered that the very first first day of classes, 150 plus years ago, delivered some of the same uncertainty students and faculty might feel right now. Though that first day of classes didn't presumably have students navigating mask-wearing and social distancing. Charlie, this week, for his observation of the U of A's sesquicentennial, takes us back to the first, first day of classes.
1: 150 years ago, on the morning of January 22, 1872, a 16-year-old woman named Anna Putman set out from the warmth of her family's home and headed for school. Her family lived on the hill just south of the university campus, now known as Putman Hill, and she headed to the university campus to enroll. It was the first day of classes at the Arkansas Industrial University. The winter had been colder than normal that year, and and snow had covered the ground since December. In fact, another eight inches had fallen just the Thursday prior. City ice merchants were staying busy cutting blocks of ice from the ponds, rivers, and creeks across town, hauling the ice away to be buried in sawdust for storage for the coming summer. Anna's chilly walk from her family's house to the new university campus led through a hollow along a rutted wagon path now known as Duncan Avenue and up onto the fields of the old McElroy farm. She approached a grove of bare limbed trees at the top of the hill, dark against the pale morning sky. Amid that grove the university's newly erected school building stood square on the crown of the hill. With some timidity she walked up to the building and peeked through a window. She didn't like what she saw. The school building itself didn't bother her. Admittedly, the board and batten structure wasn't of collegiate standard. It had been hastily built in less than two months to meet a deadline for the university's opening. One student described it as quote, a little lonely two story frame building standing hidden among the black oak trees. Still, in most respects, the classroom building was familiar, not unlike the private subscription schools that existed in Arkansas prior to the Civil War. The tall windows looked in on a large single room with a wood stove. It was already full of embers and warming the building against the frigid weather. Surrounding it were new tables, chairs, and school desks that all came from Chicago. And all of them were shiny with new varnish. Blackboards, maps of the world, and charts hung on the walls. And in addition to what she could see downstairs, a small number of specially selected books, periodicals, and globes were gathered as the university's first library in a bookcase upstairs. No, this was a good building under the circumstances. Same with the professors. They caused her no worry either. Like the majority of the surrounding community, they were white, European-American educators, although all of them were relatively recent arrivals in northwest Arkansas. The Board of Trustees had appointed Noah P. Gates as the acting president and also named him the chair of the Mental and Moral Philosophy Department. He also served as principal of the Normal Department, which was charged with training students just such as Anna to become teachers. Gates had arrived in Fayetteville on January 1 and looked every inch an educator. The university also hired Charles H. Leverett. He had taught at the Ozark Institute in the nearby community of Mount Comfort since the end of the war, and he would serve as professor of ancient languages and literature. Both Gates and Leverett could look stern, but they were what any student expected a teacher or a professor to be. Within two weeks, they were joined by Mary Gorton, who came from Illinois and became preceptress of the Normal Department and professor of mathematics and English literature. No, the faculty by all appearances were fine. When Anna Putman entered the two-story building to seek admission and register for classes that first day, she looked into the school building and saw the other students. Like her, they were white students who grew up in the surrounding community of Fayetteville. The hasty opening of the university hadn't given students from elsewhere in the state enough time to travel to Fayetteville for the opening. Yet still, she found one troubling element, one commonality of despair. To her, The seven other students were all of one type. Boys. (laughs) Their names were William Brooks, Frank Bowie, John Carlyle, Cyrus R. Gilbreth, Andrew Gregg, Albert Gregg, and Robert Putman. That last boy was Anna's younger brother, which probably didn't help her disposition much. After that historic first day of university classes, she ran home sobbing and told her mother and father, quote, I'll never go to that boy's school again. I am the only girl enrolled. Has every single freshman in the history of the university felt that momentary pang of doubt? This is not what I expected. How will I fit in? Can I belong? Will the school ever be a home to me? (laughs) She was ready to quit. But Anna's mother, Elizabeth, would not allow the doubts to fester. Elizabeth discussed the situation with a neighbor whose daughter was about the same age as Anna. Soon, Maggie Campbell joined Anna Putman in the walk to campus, and together they kept the door open for future women. Putman did indeed become a teacher, earning her teaching license after three years at the university. She returned a few years later and also earned her Bachelor of Arts and taught for 53 years, sending generations of new students to the university. I might add that today, the shoe is on the other foot. Today, around 55% of the campus, students, staff, and faculty are women. Also, the university has created a student success center that stands less than 100 yards from where that very first school building was erected. It's a center that brings together numerous programs aimed at helping students overcome obstacles on campus, whatever their self-doubts. The center offers all manner of programs, from tutoring labs to academic advisors, from financial aid to writing studios, and from peer mentoring programs to just a shot of caffeine from the Starbucks coffee shop downstairs. The Student Success Center is aimed at being a hub for students who deserve the very best the university can give. And as with Anna Putman, Not one of them should be dissuaded from their educational prospects by any stumbling block, large or small.
0: Charlie Allison is the executive editor of University Relations at the University of Arkansas. Each week, he's been giving us glimpses into the history of the U of A. There are other observations connected to the 150th anniversary academic year. You can find out more at 150.uark.edu.